0: You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Apple Insider Podcast. I'm Victor, your presenter, and joining me is the inestimable William Gallagher. (laughs) Hello. Nice to be back
1: with you. It feels like it's been ages. It has.
0: And that said, that's the episode. That's all we got.
1: Okay, fair enough. Uh, actually, I'm spending most of my time now just constantly waiting to see if there's an invitation from Apple. Will there be an October event? I'm waiting. I'm doing nothing but waiting, watching the screen. Would you go to the Apple event if there were one? Well, if I could fit it in, you know, washing my hair, going to Apple. All right. Let's – let's let's. well, you wash your hair. Let's talk a little
0: bit about what things could be announced at such an event what what are we waiting on
1: I think this time uh, it would be very odd if we didn't see new iPad Pros coming out given all the evidence in the supply chain and all the uh re- apparently very well-placed sources about this I think we're less we're more likely to see Apple ditch this event and just do a press release than we are to not see iPad Pros they they're, they're surely the focus of it isn't that what you think do you Know anything else? I don't know anything
0: else. But what I'm still wondering, and and you may wonder as well, is whatever happened to the Mac Mini mm. and
1: whatever happened to the Mac Pro? Oh, well I'm fine on the Mac Pro one. I'm not expecting. I know people keep saying we might see a bit might like they did with the iMac Pro, a quick early release of it all or something, or early picture of it, picture of it. Uh, but I'm not expecting to hear a word about that until next year. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's late next year, the way Apple does it with things. Uh, whereas the Mac Mini, actually, what well, my heart longs for a new iMac, to be honest. I love the iMac of all the machines Apple does. So, uh, Yeah, one.
0: but you just got an iMac Pro. So what, what are you hoping for?
1: Well, you know, I like to have two, color-coordinated, put them around the room, uh, little Bit. Yes, I see your point there. You think the iMac Pro makes it less likely we'll have a regular iMac? I think so. We got the good iMac, the Pro one. Right.
0: Now, that that does leave the question, what machines are left for regular consumers who don't need that much performance, don't need to spend that much money left
1: to buy? And the answer is MacBook Pro 13-inch? hmm And the Mac Mini. Uh I was thinking before the September event, there were so many rumours. It's like there are loads of rumours left over and that maybe Apple will mop them up now. And again, I mean, there are always rumours and some of them I think are ridiculous, but these are all rumours that seem to be have a grounding, in fact. And one of them is this idea of a cheaper MacBook. Uh, I don't know, but I imagine, is it the replacement for the MacBook Air somehow? Apple doesn't do cheap, but does cheaper.
0: Well, you you have to and Apple's always understood this since the return of Jobs that in the product lineup you need to be able to have a segment for the consumer. Mm-hmm. You know, the the that's what the original iMac was for. That's what the original iBook was for. That's what the MacBook, the white one before it became a MacBook Pro or before it became an affordable MacBook Air was for. You know, you need to have a machine that is sub $1,000. And that's what the Mac Mini was great at. It was 500 bucks. Yeah. 500 bucks bring a screen, bring a keyboard, bring a mouse. You've got a computer. And obviously with a laptop, things cost a little bit more. But there's, there's a hole in the product segment in Mac for that price point. Now, obviously, they've taken care of that if an iPad is good enough right? $300 iPad?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: That's not bad. But uh, the the question is, are these things filling the correct holes in the product lineup? Is there room for an affordable Mac versus an affordable iPad? And, And it goes back to the question, I suppose, what is a computer? Yes. Did you have an answer to that, though? Well, so the problem is that there are tons of people that did not like apples what is a computer advertisement apple ran an advertisement that asked that question and pu- posited that the ipad was the computer because they they showed a child doing all kinds of things that you would do with a computer using the ipad mm. the thing is is that there are people that insist that a computer has a keyboard built in and a mouse or a trackpad and or, or rather, has a keyboard and a mouse or trackpad support, and, and the iPad clearly doesn't. And so, Apple doesn't have a computer in that price point that's new. That's a whole.
1: I'm just really conscious of the fact that after I'd given my mom my iPad Air for a while, she actually phoned me up and asked, is an iPad a computer? And... There was a little bit of me that wanted to say no, because I knew if I said yes, it would actually put her off using it because she's avoided PCs and Macs all of her life. So I kind of dodged the issue as much as I could and promised to come around and visit her. And that got us onto a new topic. So I'm actually I'm with people who I don't need it to be called a computer. I need to compute. There you go. computer's is a verb. I need to be yeah. able to do my work and in whatever right. fashion. So I'm fine. With the, what I see is the semantic. You broke your promise to your mom, didn't you? Well, I'll get there eventually. A little bit. Stop looking at me like that. Uh, I gave her an iPad. Okay, but I see, so, see your point. I want to just want to know. You know, talking about this stuff. Yeah. Talking about
0: this stuff, you promise breaker. Uh, there has been iPad Pro model numbers that seem to have surfaced at Chinese regulators. Yes. So we we can expect new ipad pros if these numbers are correct
1: this is the kind of thing i mean by uh, solid evidence uh you get part numbers and you don't know what they are but you can see the sequence you can see it's not going to be uh, an apple car suddenly it looks like it's going to be ipad pro this is the kind of stuff that uh, i used to avoid rumors completely And then I would pay a little attention and some of them seem so wacky, like people saying that we will definitely get the the Mac Pro uh, this October. And you just know it won't happen because Apple said they wouldn't do it. Uh, And then you get this other layer, this thing where actually a startling amount is is leaked and uh, is evidentiary there. Um, I think uh, ever since um, things like the iPhone had to be filed with the FCC and stuff, it's kind of opened up and we see things. Um, uh, the only thing we don't know is whether or not Apple will actually show them this October. Will they hold them back?
0: Right. Again? So so what happens is that there are regulatory agencies at every government level, right? At I mean, it, it, whether every go- country, mm-hmm. whether it's China or or the United States or the EU or wherever that govern what frequencies are used for radios for example or whether something is an intentional radiator or unintentional radiator in terms of radio waves and you have to go through the testing to show that it emits frequent on these frequencies that it receives on these frequencies that it conforms to testing for signal strength and broadcast power all the kinds of things that you have to prove to show that you're compliant with the regulations for that country and to make it more difficult These regulations vary from country to country. So some countries allow different frequencies to be used. For example, in Israel, the 5 gigahertz band is reserved for Israel military use. And so they have to use a slightly different variant on the 5 gigahertz band for that higher level signal. Mm. And the Wi-Fi is constrained there. They don't want it to have nearly as strong a broadcast signal as it does elsewhere because, again, they're afraid of conflicting with police and military signals. And so – you, you have to go ahead and understand this when you build the product and get it certified all around the world to launch. And trying to manage secrecy at all of these different agencies is difficult, which is why you get these leaks. Sometimes they're at the EU agencies. Sometimes they're at the FCC. Sometimes they're at China, like this one. What's also interesting is that Tim Cook went on a trip to China, didn't he? Yes. Uh, in fact, uh, as we record this, uh, is he still there? I'm not sure. but I believe so. I believe so. Right. And, and he was visiting a Beijing high school that incorporates iPad and Apple Pencil into their curriculum. Uh, the idea seems to be that by incorporating it to the curriculum, of course, that that uh, cements the iPad Pro as a tool that can grow as a consumer product, right? The, the idea is if you use something in the classroom, you'll want to use it at home. The same way that if you use a computer at home, it'll be the one that you want to use in, in the workplace. Sure.
1: I mean, that's uh, Apple's benefited for that right back from the Apple II days, didn't they, when they used to sell them on quite cheaply to education and then parents bought them. And yes, yeah, so and we know what happened to the Apple II.
0: Yeah. And, and so Cook went on to talk about how great this school is and how they're one of the first in China to adopt Apple's Everyone Can Create curriculum, which, by the way, is available as a free download from the iBook store. And he also previewed an art exhibit at the Modern Art Museum in Shanghai. Uh, a piece that was created using an iPhone and presents a moving use of augmented reality, so that's that's pretty cool. He blogged this using the uh, iPhone XS Max,
1: right? Well, that's good. So I'm just suddenly reminded of uh, all the stories you have of, I don't know, Microsoft people who accidentally blog from iPhones and things. Tim Cook is on mission here. He's on uh, script for this kind of thing. On message. On message, that's the phrase. Thank you. Okay. Actually, though, uh, uh, I was saying that I'm waiting for this invitation from Apple. I mean, I don't personally want, but I want to see what happens. I want to see the cryptic message. Um, Apple has this thing that uh, they... uh, they appear to always release an invitation seven days before the event. Um, seven days from now starts putting us into the back end of October. Uh, are we just not having an invitation at an event because Tim Cook is on a world tour?
0: Certainly they know his schedule better than we do. And sure. they would send out the invite and he'd come back for it. What does have to happen is that there's event prep. And event prep works like this. There's a script written. There's a presentation made. There's a number of people responsible for making their own segments of their presentation. Back in the old days when Steve used to run it, it, there was also a book, a printed book with the script and the slides on it. Wow, I didn't know that. That lived on the podium so he could flip through it. Oh, yeah. And I've seen a couple of pictures for, of pages of the book. And it's it, it, it's a printed spiral-bound book that has the slide and has the key points to hit so that he stays on message for that. Um, you know, they, they joked the last keynote about the clicker, but there's a lot more beyond just the clicker going on there. And then they rehearse for days, day and night, they go through, they rehearse the whole thing, and they will cut people out. They'll cut guests out. If you've flown in because you were an invited guest to present about your product as a part of Keynote, and it's not working in rehearsal, they cut you. Right. And they substitute in a different third party that they brought in.
1: Wow. I mean, harsh, but fair. That makes sense. Okay. So he's... Actually- and you can be cut right up to the last minute.
0: And they they do these rehearsals. They do them all the time. And so if he's traveling... He can't be present for rehearsals, so you have to figure that they would have already begun working on the presentations, working on the the agenda for such a keynote event, and then have him back with seven days lead time so that he can practice and rehearse for seven days and then present.
1: That all makes sense, but it just suddenly, when you say it, it pops into my head. We are taking for granted, as we probably should, that Tim Cook needs to present this. At some point, somebody else will do it. I mean, uh, Angela Aarons. No,
0: no, no, no. It will. No. So here's what happens, right? Yeah. Here's the thing, is that if you had a keynote event and Tim Cook was not the opening and closing of it, even if he presented nothing, except here's our opening video. And by the way, our Apple stores are doing great. Yes. Then. If that's all he said, it would kick off a huge number of rumors about cook being replaced by whoever led that event. If you had miss Arons come out and, and she and miss Arons presented the Apple stores are doing great report. And here's our opening video. And by the way, we've got a new phone or we've got a new iPad. And she did the closer and said, "Thank you very much. You know, all of our employees at Apple are the very best, and we thank them. It's without them, this would not be possible." If she did that, the rumors would fly, and would be hard to quash that she was going to take over the
1: CEO position. Well, so he cannot let someone else take that role. I think you missed something important there. I would also wanted to do one mm. more thing. Uh, at some point, there is going to be, there must be a succession plan, and I, I think she's very impressive, but was picking on her. I think it's very early to talk about a, a succession
0: plan. I think there will be no acknowledgement of a succession plan until such time as there's an actual need for it. Okay, I'm just thinking because what happens is if you start talking about that stuff early, Jobs originally years and years ago was talking about John Rubinstein as succeeding him. John quit and went ahead and made Palm and WebOS and Jobs later said in the Isaacson book, well, there I knew, I guess I'd made a mistake. So mm. you you cannot talk succession, especially not publicly, unless you're ready to act it out. You don't do it, you don't acknowledge it. It doesn't exist. Yes, it exists in the back room. Yes, it exists in the board, but you're not gonna do this unless you're ready for it to become reality. But I wanna get back to talking about China for a moment. So so th- this is an interesting set of, of events yeah. because- Tim Cook's in China. China has just had um, app store fraud that allegedly impacts major mobile payment firms in China. So these two major mobile payment firms, uh, WePay, which is a part of the WeChat, and uh, Alibaba's Alipay. So Tencent owns WeChat, WePay, or WeChat Pay, and uh, Alibaba owns Alipay. Both of those have confirmed that a number of their customers have been the subject of fraudulent App Store purchases, and Alipay has been posting a warning online advising iPhone users of the thefts and to secure their accounts where possible. Alibaba claims that they've contacted Apple multiple times over the fraud, says the Wall Street Journal, and Apple says they're investigating, or at least Apple advised the Wall Street Journal that they're investigating. Now, the, the complaints are basically receiving notifications of purchases in the App Store that they did not authorize. And it's, it's unknown exactly how these Apple IDs are being acquired by fraudsters or, or how these purchases are being performed. Um, Alipay and WeChat Pay have to be registered to the Apple ID. So it's, it's not entirely clear. But um, you know, WeChat Pay and Alipay are yeah. the largest payment services in China. They're huge. You know, talk about a country that's really adopted mobile payments. That is it. And and I like mobile payments. We're going to talk about mobile payments in America as well. But this is this is a big deal because unless Apple deals with it and prevents it or unless consumers are vigilant and complain about the fraud, complain about the false purchases, the unauthorized purchases and Apple refunds it, you know, that's it's a, it's a yeah.
1: big nuisance. It's a it's huge issue. There's just some oddities in it. Uh, Uh, I remember with credit card companies, it's the thing that if you file a certain complaint uh, over a verifiably false purchase, one you didn't make, uh, credit card companies would refund you. I don't know if that's still the case, but when they started here, that was a big selling point. You were safer buying on credit card for all sorts of reasons. Uh, It just, this requires an Apple ID to have been stolen in some way. If somebody's got Apple IDs and they are tied to Alipay and WeChat Pay, why are they spending them downloading um, Angry Birds and not going into uh, stores and buying meals and things like that? I'm curious.
0: Well, so when you make a purchase, you leave a trail,
1: and that trail makes yes, it easier. Yes, but if I've bought, I mean, uh, Angry Birds is a bad example, something expensive, an expensive app, uh, Omniplan couple hundred pounds, very very good project management plan. If I buy that over a stolen Apple ID, well, and Apple knows that Apple ID didn't buy it, they can surely kill the app, can't they? So where's my...
0: They, they could, but if the app itself seems legitimate, it seems like a shame to kill it. So what we don't know is how these... The question you're asking is, how do fraudsters yes. profit from this? Why are they making purchases that they're not profiting from? And so that's a tough question to answer. Uh, you, you know, we, we have no earthly idea what's really going on there. And if the apps that are being fraudulently purchased are then kicking back the money back to the fraud, we have no idea. We really don't know.
1: Something is up. Sorry, I should say. I- I don't mean to suggest that because there's been fraud, the makers of OmniPlan should be punished. I just mean if Apple knows my Apple ID has bought this or some other app and it's fraudulent, can they not remove it from my purchase history, disable it for me, so that I don't benefit?
0: They they can, but the, more important is figuring out what's actually taking place here.
1: True. Yes. It's it's scary when it's this size of company, um, Alipay. I mean, uh, Alibaba owns Alipay, and I only know Alibaba because they invest in the Mission Impossible films, but I like them for that. So they definitely seem to be big and profitable, uh, which is nice for a business. So if they're getting hit by fraud in some way, I think it's really cool.
0: Well, it is, but it also is damaging for Apple because if the notion is that everyone knows that if you're using an Apple iPhone in the App Store, that your money's going to get drained out of your bank account, that's not good for Apple either. That's true. This is a real problem. No. But what's important to note is that those those vulnerabilities and those problems are there by using WeChat and we, WeChat Pay and Alipay. Um those those vulnerabilities, those same vulnerabilities would not be present, I don't think, using Apple Pay, which has yet to catch on over there. Interestingly. Apple Pay has begun to catch on in the U.S. And the latest part... At last, The latest part of this is CVS. So CVS is a pharmacy, and CVS uh, actually just purchased an insurance company, Aetna, for $69 billion. It was approved by the uh, U.S. government the other day. And so they're going to start offering medical services in the pharmacies. And... Selling you the insurance, and if you have the insurance and the pharmacy, and you go to there for the medical services, the insurance figures they can save money instead of paying it to see another doctor because they'll just be paying their own employees. So it's going to be a really interesting um, sort of uh, yeah aggregation of services all in one location kind of thing. And they take Apple Pay now. They have given up on currency, which was one of the other kinds of. Uh, of, of payment systems that was partnered along with Walmart and have gone to go ahead and offer Apple Pay.
1: At long last, I think, because our currency, I've written about this in the past, uh, if Apple Pay hadn't existed, I still think currency would have seemed a dreadful idea because it was built on what's great for the shop, which is fine. I mean, shops are business, you know, why shouldn't they have something for them? But it made it really tediously annoying for the customer. The amount of work you would have to do of uh, opening your phone, opening the app, finding a QR code, displaying the QR code. Stop, stop, stop,
0: stop. Let me explain how Walmart Pay works. And Walmart Pay is basically the last holdout in this whole system. And Walmart's implementation of this is that you're checking out and you open the Walmart app and you tap on the Walmart Pay icon or tap on services in the Walmart Pay icon and then you either put in a pin code or use your touch ID or face ID to unlock it so that you're ready to pay. And then it uses the camera. You simply hold it up and it scans a QR code at the register or payment terminal.
1: And that communicates and sends the payment. Right. Well, let's just compare and contrast. I walk into a shop and I wave my watch.
0: Now, I, I, I agree. No, no, Apple Pay is definitely smoother because with Apple Pay, you don't have to unlock anything or tap on a service and then use your, your thumb to authorize. So so you're saving three steps by using Apple Pay mm-hmm. that you otherwise would have to do with Walmart Pay. But it's not impossible and it's not that bad. It really, it's, it's a little clunky, but if you open it up and have it ready while the cashier is ringing up your items, you don't it's, think it's, okay. it's a
1: bit silly?
0: The biggest problem that I've had with it is that on
1: iPhone 6, it's slow I do, to respond. I, I, do, I find it silly. You've got, uh, at your end, in your phone, all your details electronically stored. At their end, the cash register electronically stored. And you have to kind of point them at each other. And a camera has to photograph. It just seems uh, really sort of... The camera photographs yeah. the
0: QR code on the register. All of the details, payment details, were already in your app. And they pay as if you were making an online purchase. Now, the cool thing that they do as a result of this, the only reason there's a consumer benefit out of this for a Walmart pay is that they save the receipt in the app. And so if you need to return something, you don't have to fumble for a receipt. you just pull it up in the app and you don't have to search the receipts. You just search a search field for your item you wanna return and it finds the receipt for you that you need to use. The other thing that they do is that they do a savings checker where they, go ahead and compare all the items on your receipt with local prices, and if they find a local price that is less than what they charged you, they give you the difference.
1: Okay, now I didn't know either of those. I like either of those. I just also prefer Apple Pay, so I'm glad things are moving on.
0: Right, but Apple Pay doesn't give you either of those benefits, so there are a few trade-offs. That's the reason that they built their own system, was so that A, wouldn't have to mess with Visa, B, wouldn't have to be subservient to Apple, And see, and and also they wanted to be able to work with Android phones equally. And at the time that they were talking about this, Android Pay, which became Google Pay, was quite lame. Yeah, but – And it still is really because a lot of banks haven't gotten bored with it. So this was their route around – how do they, Walmart, who have a number of consumers who use Android phones because Android phones are cheaper than iPhones to purchase, how do they bring this kind of functionality to consumers when Google Pay is not on board with banks? I think – they had to route around the brain damage of banks not getting on board with Google Pay and work with every phone to serve their, their lower
1: income customers. You're making it sound quite honorable, this system. You, you see the problem? I do see the problem, they've said it, It's but... It's
0: not that it's honorable, it's, it's that they had a different set of constraints and this was the way they found that they could work around those constraints. If they'd gone with Apple Pay only, they would still have a large number of
1: consumers that would not be served by this functionality. I see it, but you set my mind off in two different ways. And one of them is that currency explicitly started in order to save paying credit card companies fees. The customer came second. And the other one is, uh, one of the reasons Apple Pay is so prevalent prevalent here in the UK is that all NFC, all uh, contactless payments is. So I, I am not, there is nowhere here that only takes Apple Pay. Uh, I thought um, – there was one more thing, though, wasn't there, with Contact C, that it uh, would uh, – initially, uh, Apple Pay wasn't going to allow um, discount cards and loyalty cards and things like that. And I believe that's changed over time and things –
0: No, 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 no. It, no, no. Apple Pay was always going to do loyalty cards and things like – in store cards. You know, uh, Kohl's was one of the early ones to get on board with that. It, it's taken those stores a while to get on board for those kinds of things. But um, but Apple was always ready for that because Apple wanted you to use the wallet application, which was was yeah. originally called something else that I can't even remember
1: now, um, Yes, as the wallet. Look, I'll tell you what, we're getting really into detail of money here. How about we talk about the fun side of money, which is, uh, which of Google's new announcements would you spend all of your cash on?
0: No, no, I'm not done. Okay. <laughs> Apple Pay can also be used for Discover Cash back cards. I'm sorry, so I, if you have a cashback debit card.
1: I don't know what that is.
0: So so one of the – well, so you guys don't have this over in your country. we
1: got debit cards,
0: but – Yeah, um, but do you have debit cards that offer benefits for using them?
1: Well, I, I certainly don't. I haven't come across it. So I wouldn't like to say for right. certain, but no. Yeah.
0: So, so we have debit cards from a number of different banks and firms that pay you for using them. So if you make a purchase, and depending on where you purchase, right, if it's uh, – you know, suppose that it's it's groceries or it's uh, petrol, or whatever. You know, they'll pay you back two to two percent. Wow! Hello. Of your
1: purchase amount. Okay, I like the sound of this. And and
0: this is a way. This is a way of encouraging you to use the card, and so you use the card because you're going to get money back, and hmm. now they've gone ahead and made this cash back Discover card work with Apple Pay. So this this Discover Cashback Debit Card with Apple Pay gives customers one percent cash back, with some limitations on ATM withdrawals. Right. But uh, they they have that up to three thousand dollars in qualifying debit card purchases each month. And so you know you can get
1: what is that three one percent thirty bucks back. Okay. It felt like it was going to be Something more than like that. that, but still money coming in is it's very welcome. Hey, that's a tank of gas. Yeah. That's catch okay. Not in the UK, it isn't. You know, that's,
0: but that's a really nice meal. <laughs> you know, that's 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 a really nice meal we could have on on that one percent cash back. So, Discover was the the last of America's four big credit card partners. So Apple signed up Visa, they signed up Mastercard, they signed up American Express, and now with Discover's acceptance of this, um, they they came. Discover had been doing this since April 2015, but the cash back card is a new thing. The right hire can make a huge impact on your business. That's why it's so important to find the right person. But where do you find that individual? You could try posting on job boards, but can you be really sure the right person sees your job? Instead, find the person who will help grow your business with LinkedIn. As the world's largest professional network, people go to LinkedIn every day to grow professionally and discover job opportunities. And 70% of the U.S. workforce is already there. LinkedIn Jobs matches people to your role based on more of who they really are, their skills, their interests, and even how open they are to new opportunities. This way, your job gets seen by more of the right people. Most LinkedIn members haven't recently visited the top job boards, but 9 out of 10 members are open to new opportunities, so you can really only reach them on LinkedIn. And that's why a new hire is made every 10 seconds using LinkedIn. Businesses rate LinkedIn 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates. Hurry to LinkedIn.com slash Apple Insider and get $50 off your first job post. That's LinkedIn.com slash Apple Insider to get $50 off your first job post. LinkedIn.com slash Apple Insider. Terms and conditions apply. So there's this cool new Google Pixel device, right? The Google Pixel 3?
1: Yes, and the uh, 3XL, the larger one. It's yeah. kind of a fun name. I didn't tell you this before. I have a text expander snippet uh, that keeps getting triggered now. Uh, the iPhone XR. I have XR that's meant to expand out to uh, so for my task manager. Reply to this. So every now and again, I'm writing about the iPhone. Reply to this. And then the Pixel XL, Where I think it's, uh, it's also a task manager. Look into this, it says. So I'm writing about the Pixel 3. Look into this. It's just, you know, they're picking on me now with their Xs. You need better shortcuts. Yes. Why yeah. have they taken over my 10s and my Xs? But oh, yes. I, mean, I like the sound of the two Pixel phones. They don't, I mean, I, I, not as an Android user, I don't appreciate the differences, but it doesn't seem like a gigantic leap forward. Is this the equivalent of uh, what you call an S year in iPhones, or am I missing something?
0: I think what I want to do is back up a little bit and talk about why they do this. Why, why is Google doing this? Ultimately, to make money. You'd think so, but that's not necessarily the primary motivation. It's sort of a secondary motivation. The years ago, they made the Nexus phones. They, they started with the, the original Nexus and then kept making them in different versions all the way along through the Nexus 6P. And the point was not to make tons of money. The point was to have manufacturers sell devices that showed what Android is supposed to be in terms of flagship hardware and in terms of what the operating system is supposed to be before it gets polluted and changed and and modified by the likes of Samsung or LG or those guys. And so all of those manufacturers would, would sell a phone, would sell their normal phones with their normal changes to the operating system, but would be tapped In various years, you know, the Nexus 4 was an LG, I think. The Nexus 6P was Huawei. To go ahead and make the phone the way Google wanted. And that was the point. The decision to go to the Pixel phone was they purchased an, uh, uh, an amount of HTC, right? They went ahead and worked with HTC to go ahead and make these. And now HTC is the nominated vendor, I think, uh, to go ahead and make these phones. Uh, They're, they're basically killing HTC's sales for HTC devices and LG devices. Pixel and Pixel 2 were supposed to be evidence that Google could produce an iPhone priced premium Android phone. And, and yet as soon as Google took the reins, HTC and LG basically went into crisis mode. And, the problem is that it's just really difficult for Google to not make this a flop. They're great, they're great phones, they have some problems, but they're expensive, and they compete with the likes of Samsung. And that was the point of this. It was not to make necessarily money right out of the gate. The point was Android is synonymous with Samsung. And Google doesn't like that because Android is Google's property and they, they don't want to cede that to Samsung. Does
1: that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense totally yes i hadn't appreciated that but that, i get it yeah okay. but you don't feel it's working i you know i
0: don't i i think that they have yet to seize the seize the reins from samsung they've yet to take control in terms of numbers from samsung and that it's um well they're making very nice phones that they are too expensive for most people to consider them that, that it's still too easy. It's still too easy to buy a Samsung compared to a Pixel.
1: I'm conscious in the UK. It used to be that you always bought, uh, in my case, iPhones on contracts, and then slowly that's turned away to use maybe use the iPhone upgrade program, or you try to buy it outright. It feels like the carriers have moved away to this, so that uh, there are plenty of people buying expensive iPhones. Uh, isn't there enough? Aren't there enough people wanting to buy? I mean, they don't want to buy expensive Android phones, but they want to buy phones that are as capable as an iPhone, but with Android.
0: Yeah, but they'll buy a Samsung, right? They'll buy a Galaxy S9 or or whatever the new thing is.
1: All right. Okay. So that's the choice.
0: Well, there are some good things about Android phones. The Pixel and Pixel 2, for example, used the single lens camera and did things in software to be able to do the portrait kind of effects that we see with the iPhone XR that, that they were showing us. Right. Mm. Hmm. In the keynote, where they showed that they could do portrait mode effects
1: with the the single lens. Yes, this computational photography thing.
0: Right. Right. Google was doing that first in the Pixel line.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that. Right. Okay.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Google had that first. Uh, Google had notifications that you could expand to see the rest of the notifications from that application. And to tap and get directly to that application's notification, and uh, get to tap on the notification, and get to that application directly from the notification screen first. Okay, I also Something like that we've really gotten in iOS 11 and iOS 12. Yeah, yeah. So, so Google has a number of things that have been integrated back into iOS that are sort of borrowed or influenced by and and modified by Apple to make it nice for iOS users. There are a number of nice things about Android. There are a number of very clunky and ugly cluttery things about Android, but there are some nice things that it does. And so if you were to switch to Android, you would notice and be be reviled by the uh, the awful things that are there. But you would also find a few things that were kind of quite nice. Okay you know Android phones are very good in 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 some ways, especially within Google services, about picking up on when you've got a Calendar appointment or a possibility of a calendar appointment in an email, being able to add that to a calendar right away. And Apple's picked up on that. Or being able to notice an address in an email, and you can tap on that, and it op- opens Google Maps. you right. know, Or it recognizing that you had an email that mentioned that, would you like to, by the way, begin navigating because you need to leave now in order to get there in time. They do some nice tricks. They do some nice things. And if you've gotten used to using one of those phones, you love them, and you wouldn't come back to an iPhone at all. You would never consider it. Now, at, at the same time, there appear to be a large number of Android users who are migrating to iPhone or intending to migrate to iPhone in the wake of the recent iOS announcements or iPhone announcements.
1: The the XS um, and the ten R appear to be drawing converts. Do we have any sense of the feel of how many people move back and forth? between Android and iPhone? Uh, I'm not
0: certain. I don't have the article in front of me at the moment.
1: I just remember over the years, Apple has occasionally said uh, how many, what percentage are new to it and all that stuff. I just, I don't know if uh, Google says the same thing the other way around and if it all ultimately averages out in the same.
0: No, Google does not say anything at all about it the other way around. Um, the, the things that Google has that, that they can't really talk about are the number of people that aren't on current OS, because yeah. there are a number of handsets out there that can't be upgraded. Uh, the fact that iPhones get upgrades longer than Android phones do. Yes, you know my Nexus 6P is a three-year-old phone. My my iPhone six is older and still getting updates.
1: Okay.
0: Nexus 6P was, discontin- was 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 orphaned last year, so. It's uh, it's frustrating in that regard. The, the other thing that Google doesn't really want to talk about is security. You know, they shuttered Google Plus because there were security concerns, security breaches. They had the same Cambridge Analytica thing going on with Google Plus that, that Facebook did, and they didn't want to talk about it. They They hoped and prayed that it would never come up. They didn't even go to Washington when they were invited because they didn't want to have to answer questions yes. about it. So Google is, in some ways, just as bad as Facebook and just as vulnerable as Facebook and only slightly less um, callous about how they handle our data.
1: Okay. My only thing with all that is, uh, that is the story this week. Uh, Google Plus has uh, security flaws. Google shuts down Google Plus. They couldn't fix Google Plus. I just think not enough people were using it uh, to make it worth them fixing it in which case not enough people were exposed to any problems Was that
0: well not that but also the damage to reputation by being lumped in with facebook who's having to go on apology tours oh true was too great
1: well i gotta say i won't miss google plus at all i found it infuriating when it started
0: right um, right but but do you use other google services
1: well i did actually i Uh, I used to have a Gmail account that was exclusively as a backup for my work. At the end of every day or the end of every piece I'd finished, I would email it to myself and I would email it from that Gmail account to that Gmail account, I gave that address to nobody else, and I had rules set in it that if any other email appears, delete it straight away. And then suddenly, Google starts promoting it as uh, my Google Plus address, and I'm getting invitations for Circles that's getting through that rule, and not all of them. It's just, in the end, I actually abandoned the account, and I I moved on to saving it somewhere else and things, and
0: I'm...
1: See, I used Yahoo for that for a while.
0: I had a Yahoo account with 150,000 unread emails. Ouch. Okay, that's <laughs> <was> fantastic. Okay, <laughs> but I, I got out of that. The the you know for people who have used Gmail since 2004, 2005, you know, you you have your whole life tied up in that archive of email, yeah. and no one wants to run their own email server. It's hard and annoying to do, and so it's it's difficult to divorce yourself from from Google. Yes, and and. Add to that the fact that google knows tons of stuff about you even if you don't have a gmail account just by virtue of you
1: emailing people who do of course they do no i never thought of it that way okay so basically we're stuffed no matter what we might as well get some benefit out of this in fact we might as well just go by um i quite fancy the pixel slate actually we should just all go by pixel slates uh, while we wait for the ipad pro to come out at some point later this month does that sound like a plan
0: well it does but i think the one of the best kept secrets is the essential phone let me tell you about this so andy rubin left andy rubin left google started his own company called essential he was going to make a phone and a in-home voice ai speaker and a accessory for the phone basically the phone has a magnetic pad on the back with some pogo pins and so you can snap on cool cameras and other things to the back of the phone uh, as far as I know, they only made the cool camera. They didn't make the other accessories. The AI speaker, I don't know if it materialized or not. It was basically going to be kind of like, uh, an Alexa show or an Alexa look or whatever the thing was with the little circular screen. Yeah. Uh, but the phone, which was really like an $800 phone is now on discount for 400 and runs the various, very newest Android software and runs the very new and newest Android OS, and it's being kept up to date. And so if you want to have the newest operating system with all of the newest security fixes, with all the newest features, and you must have Android, Essential is not a bad way to go. You get all the newest stuff less than you would pay for a Pixel.
1: I feel like there's another shoe about to drop here. There's a, a sentence beginning with but. No. 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 Okay.
0: No, no. Well, but you have to have Android.
1: Okay. I mean – doesn't do it for me, but that's, plenty of people that's like the shoe. it. That's it. Okay.
0: I mean, if if you're gonna, I mean, I would tell you, spend that money on an iPhone seven, mm-hmm. right? I would say an iPhone seven is a perfectly competent phone. It's a fine phone. Go ahead and drop your money there. But if you must have Android, I would say essential because you want to have the newest operating system. You want to have the security fixes. You want to have as as good a representation of android as you can have and that's that's a more affordable way to accomplish it
1: okay i like the sound of this we're saving money we're getting android but we're saving money this is a this is an episode about money isn't it really um it really is okay it's
0: it's an episode about money and about you not keeping your promises yes okay thank you very much to your mother to your mom that's right. that's the episode okay
1: oh me and craig figuriki remember a couple of years ago he hung up on his mother or something in a uh, uh a, a keynote presentation it was yeah you had to be there it was funny okay right uh, all right
0: and if you weren't there that's okay but we hope you'll join us next week for another episode of the apple insider podcast william Where
1: can people find you on the internet? I will be sitting in front of my Mac waiting on WGallagher on Twitter. I'm Victor Marks. I'm at VMarks, reminding everyone to call their mothers. We'll
0: be back next week.